God's word. Come on, you can do better than that. Say, this is God's word, not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly confess that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around your word. We thank you that your word is life-giving. Your word is life-changing. And if any man be in Christ, we are new creatures, and old things are passed away, and behold, all things are becoming new. As we hear the word of God this morning, we thank you that our eyes and our ears and our hearts will be receptive to what we see, hear, and believe. As I have decreased, I thank you for the anointing of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, transmitting Logos word into Rhema word, so that our lives will never, ever be the same. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. We're still in our freestyling series entitled Understanding the Seasons of Your Life. Say this with me. Say, Understanding Understanding. the Seasons of Your Life. Our current lesson that we're on is the benefits of obedience. As stated last week, one of the greatest acts of expressing our trust in God and our spiritual maturity is our act of obedience. Somebody say amen to that. In other words... The best way to show that you trust God is to obey him. Amen. God's best for our lives is received as we walk by faith and walk in obedience. So this morning, I want to finish up part two of the benefits of obedience. Now, last week, we learned that there are four areas that our obedience affects. I'm sure you all don't remember those. So I'm going to tell you what number one is. Anybody remembers number one? Okay, all right, we got some few in the house. Number one, our obedience affects our provision. Number two, our, our obedience affects our position or our call. Number three, our obedience affects our protection. And then number four, our obedience affects other people. So what was number one? Provision. What's number two? Position. Number three? Protection. And then number four? Other people. Now go to Job 36. That's our foundational text that we're going to use and we've been using for this particular lesson. Job 36. And if you're taking notes, write down verse 11. Although obedience can be challenging, God understands and he rewards us when we obey him. As tough as it is sometimes to obey God, God will reward those who obey him. Every act of obedience is a step closer to restoring, reviving, and receiving God's best. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down that particular point. Here it is again. Every act of obedience is a step closer to restoring, reviving, and receiving God's best. Job 36, verse 11. It says, and if they obey and serve him, talking about God, they shall spend their what? 
days, notice that word days has an S on it. They will spend their days in prosperity and their years in what? Pleasures. So based on Job 36, 11, he says, if we obey and serve him, we will spend our days in prosperity and our years in pleasures. Here's the question I have. How many would love to see and spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure? In other words, that doesn't sound like a life of struggle to me. That sounds like a life of consistent provision. And based on God's word here, we can see that obedience will bring prosperity and pleasure in our life. Now, that word obey, when you look it up in the, in the Hebrew, it means to consent to. It also means to yield. Everybody say to yield. yield. Amen. It also means to listen to. It is very difficult to say you are obeying God and you're not listening to his word. Amen. Now, let me explain something to you. Go to Deuteronomy 28. Go to Deuteronomy 28 real quick. Let me explain uh, how obedience works because, and I was explaining this to one of our members this week. Obedience is like your credit. Okay. You say, well, what do you mean by that? See, sometimes you can have been disobedient or made bad choices so many times that it puts you in a bad situation. How many have been there before? I mean, see, one bad choice can put you in the red big time. And so some of you all sitting here have made some bad choices in your past and it has created some difficult situations for you. But I want to show you that every act of obedience, every step of obedience in your life will gradually take you out of a bad season into a good season. Let me show you what I mean. Let's say, for instance, you have bad credit. The reason you have bad credit is because you haven't been paying your bills on time. You know, the credit system says that if you, as long as you pay your bills on time and you don't get 30 days late on stuff, then what happens is your credit score will go better. Well, let's say, for instance, you have a credit score of 400. That's pretty low, ain't it? Yes. And if you have a credit score of 400, I'm helping you right now how to increase your credit. Here's the deal. Let's say, for instance, you have 400. And... Every act of obedience increases your credit score. See, let's say, for instance, you decide this month, I am going to pay all of my bills on time for the rest of my life. And your credit score is 400. And you do it for the month of May. Everything's on time. And you pull your credit. It's probably going to be maybe around 415. Maybe 420, if that much. And you go, watch this now. Even though you can't go out and still buy nothing, your credit still increased. Do you see that? That's how obedience is. Even though it doesn't take you all the way out of the situation you're in, you got a closer or a step further out of it than you were before you did it. And sometimes when we're trying to obey, we look and go, well, that's not worth obeying God on. I'm already in this mess. Why this one step of obedience? How's that going to help me? You got to see that obedience is increasing your credit line. And the consistent obedience will eventually get you a good credit score. Amen. Did y'all get that? Okay. So look in Deuteronomy 28. Look in verse 2. Let me just give you one uh, one advantage of obedience. We talked about the rest of them last week. I'm not going to review on that. All right? Get the CD. It was a very good CD from last week. All right. Watch this now. 
Obedience will cause blessings to overtake you. Deuteronomy 28, verse 2. It says, and all these blessings shall come on you and what? Overtake you. But here's the condition. If you obey or hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. Then he goes on to say how we will be blessed. We'll be blessed in the city. We'll be blessed in the field. We'll be blessed in the fruit of our, our, our bodies. We'll be ble- basically blessings will overtake us if we obey. And last week we talked about four types of responses to obedience. The first one was the emotional based response. This is where our feelings dictate our actions. This is where we make decisions based on our desires. This is where we make decisions based on our senses. Your senses is how you feel, your touch, your taste. You know, you're looking at, so you look at your bills and you go, I can't pay, I can't give God his tithe because I'm already in the red. See, that's a sense-driven decision. Then you have number two, the situational-based response to obedience. This is where our obedience is based on what we're going through. This is people who say, well, I'll do it if you do it. If you do right, I'll do right. If you stop cheating in the marriage, I'll stop cheating. If you stop cussing me out, I'll stop cussing you out. Well, somebody got to stop cussing. Why don't you be the stop cusser? You know, people cuss, they cuss and then they find out I'm a preacher or something. They'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. I said, no, no, no. God is following you everywhere. Keep cussing. Don't give me no more respect than you giving God. I ain't worth that. Amen. Then we have... Promise-driven response. This is the type of obedience where a person chooses to obey God knowing that he's going to reward them for doing so. And most people stop right there because most people are promise-driven. And that's nothing wrong with that. But I want to take you to the next level highest of obedience. And that is principle-driven response to obedience. This is where now you obey God and you choose to obey him because it's the right thing to do. This is where you obey God because guess what? It's never wrong to do what's right. So whether you're going to get a blessing from it or not, you're going to obey God because that's the right thing to do. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, we talked about the effects of of what obedience does. We said it affected our provision. We said that it affected our position. And then this morning, I want to focus on it affecting our protection and then how it affects other people. Now, go to Leviticus 26 real quick. Leviticus 26. I'm going to throw this in here for free. This is, not, this is not what I want to focus on, but I want you to look at Leviticus chapter 26 because there are some people sitting under the sound of my voice and, and, here, and I talked to one of these kind of people this past week. They're not a member of our church. And here's their story. I don't know why all this is happening to me. I don't know what God is trying to teach me. Well, if it's bad, God's not trying to teach you something. He just wants you to learn something, though. You know, there's a difference there. When somebody's trying to teach you something, that means they're the one giving the test. But see, God can't be tempted with evil. Now, Leviticus 26, watch this now. This is the point I want to make. It has nothing to do with what I'm doing. I just want you to see that obedience causes blessings to really flow in your life in a different level. Leviticus 26, look at verse 3. Watch this. It says, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments, what does that sound like? That sounds like obedience. Watch what he said. He said, then I will give you rain in due season and your land will yield her increase and the trees of the field shall yield her fruit and your threshing shall reach unto the vintage and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time and you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. In other words, obedience, you know what it does for me? It causes consistent 
needs to be met. Now, let's look and see this morning how obedience affects our protection. Go to Genesis chapter 6. This is going to be very, very good. Because, see, many people, see, the scripture even says, I'm talking to the kids now, teenagers. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother with the promise that things may go well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Some young people are dying early because they're not being obedient to their parents. You weren't supposed to be at that club. Had you not been at the club, you wouldn't have got shot. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor. I don't know who he's talking to, but I hope it ain't your kids. Genesis chapter 6. Watch this now. Genesis chapter I'm talking to somebody, some young person, you went out yesterday. Listen to me. I'm talking to somebody. You went out yesterday. You told your parents you were going one place, and you didn't go where you told them. Now, let me show you how real God is. God is telling me to tell you that. I know that you're sitting out there, and this is God saying, don't, obey your, don't disobey your parents because I see you. Just because they don't see you don't mean God don't see you. I wonder who I'm talking to. (laughs) Okay, watch this. Genesis chapter 6. Your obedience can affect your protection. Look in verse 5. Chapter 6, verse verse 5. And God saw the wickedness of man which was on the earth and and every imagination of thoughts in his heart that it was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. In other words, man was so disobedient, it grieved the heart of God. Now look now, let's jump down to verse number, uh, let's read verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Jump down to verse 13. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I am going to destroy them with the earth. Now let's drop down. To verse, uh, go to chapter 7. Go to chapter 7 and look in verse 5. Well, let's look. Hold on. Let, let, let me read verse 14. He, listen what he said to Noah in verse 14 of chapter 6. He said, make an ark of gopher wood. Rooms that you may make an ark and pitch it within and pitch it without. In other words, in verse 14, God tells Noah to build an ark. You have to understand, he's asking Noah to do something, but it had never rained before. So Noah has a choice. Do I obey God or do I don't obey God? Well, look now at chapter 7 and verse 5. It says, and Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. How much did did Noah do? He did all. And Noah, verse 6, was 600 years old when the floods of the waters came. And verse 7, Noah went in and his sons and his wife and all of his sons' wives into the ark because the waters of the flood came. Now go to Romans. Go over to Romans very quickly. No, go to Hebrews chapter 11. Go to Hebrews 11. We're still talking about Noah. Let me show you that Noah's obedience protected him. Hebrews chapter 11. That's the famous uh, faith chapter. Now look in verse uh, let's look in verse 7. Hebrews eleven seven. If you're there, say, I'm there. Okay, watch this. It says now, By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not yet seen, he moved with obedience and fear. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house. In other words, Noah obeyed God and his obedience saved his own life. And you don't know what your life 
is going to be like. So you have to protect yourself with obedience. I've heard people say all the time, uh, I heard the story of this one man, and uh, for whatever reason, the Spirit of God was telling him not to get on this particular airplane. And it was weird. There were no signs that nothing was wrong. He decided to just obey that, that, that sense on the inside, and that plane ended up crashing. In other words, what? You, you don't know what your obedience is doing. Now, let me show you another one. Go now to Acts chapter 21. Acts 21. Disobedience will cause us to experience things we never should have experienced. See, when you, when you disobey God, you're going to experience something you never should have experienced. See, when you date people you're not supposed to be dating, you never should have experienced that. You never should have experienced it. You know, in the book of uh, uh, Songs of Solomon, it says, don't awake love till it's time. Now, she was talking about waking up Solomon. He was asleep. She said, don't wake him up. But see, if you just use that as a metaphor, don't wake up love before you're supposed to. See, sex before marriage messes you up. It messes you up. And see, some of us are messed up because of that. I mean, why y'all looking at me like y'all look, uh, did I just switch the subject on you or something? Pastor, don't talk about that. My mama here. Okay, I won't. (laughs) Go to Acts 21. I'll just stay out of your business this morning. Watch this now. Let me show you how your obedience, how your disobedience can affect you. Watch this now. This is the, the, uh, the Apostle Paul, verse, verse 1 of 21. It says, And it came to pass that after we had gotten and launched, we came to a straight course of Kuos. And then watch verse 2. And finding a ship sailing over to Phoenicia, we went abroad and we set forth. And we had discovered Cyprus and we left. And I, I, I just want you to see that he was going somewhere, all right? That's really the point of all that. I don't want to keep reading it. I just wanted you to see that Paul was going somewhere. Look in verse 4. And he found disciples, finding disciples, he tarried there seven days. Who said to Paul? These disciples said to Paul, how? Through the Spirit, Through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Now, who said that to Paul? The disciples did. But who said it through the disciples? The, the Holy Spirit or God did. So how did God speak to Paul? Huh? Through the disciples, through the Spirit, right? So there are going to be things that God don't want you to do. And it ain't just going to come from you. God may use somebody to tell you not to do something. But God didn't tell me you better open your ears up and listen. Because he might not just be talking to you. And in this case right here, he told Paul, don't go down to Jerusalem. Remember last week, my question was, what is God asking you not to do? Now watch this. Jump down now to, to verse 10. Let's see if Paul obeyed. Verse 10. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was coming to us, he took Paul's girdle. Now, now a girdle is like a belt. He took Paul's belt and he bound up his own hands and his feet. And he said, thus said the Holy Ghost. Now, wait a minute. Why is now this prophet talking to Paul? Because Paul didn't listen the first time. Let's see what happened. See, because God loves you enough to make sure you don't make that wrong decision. 
See, some of the wrong decisions we made, we just ran over the Holy Ghost. Just ran right over him. He's trying to, hey, 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 you gone. Let's see what happened here. Look at verse, look at verse, uh, let's keep reading. He says, he, he bound up his hands and his feet. He says, thus said the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owns this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, in other words, when the disciples heard these, he said, both we and they of that place, we besought him, we begged him to not go up to Jerusalem. Let's see what happened. Then Paul answered with his spiritual ignorant self. What do you mean? Why are you crying? Why are you trying to break my heart? For I am ready not to just be bound only, but I'm ready to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, wait a minute. God don't want you to die in Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit through people is telling you not to go. Well, let's see what else happened. Verse 14. And we, when he would not be persuaded... They said, watch this now, we cease from saying, then the Lord will be done. Now, let me ask you a question. What is it, was it the Lord's will for him to go to Jerusalem? No. no. But because he would not listen. Now, can I tell you the end of the story? The end of the story was Paul went to Jerusalem and he ended up in prison. And see, some of where we are in life, it ain't because God didn't want us there. It's because we didn't listen. Amen. See, the voice of God can be disguised as your own voice. See, when you're sitting up there and God knows you're getting ready to plan a get high session with your friends. And everybody passing the weed. And you hear this voice say, don't smoke that weed. That's God. That's God. You say, well, he sounded like he's from the hood. It don't matter. That's God. God speaks in whatever language you need. Amen. If you're from England, it's going to sound like English. If you're from Jamaica, he's going to talk patois to you. Mwah, mwah, you. Don't do that. Y'all didn't understand that, did you? That's patois. I, I got it, though. If you're Jamaican, you got what I said. In other words, Paul's lack of obedience caused him to, to experience things he never should have experienced. Did y'all get that? Now, let me give you some doors to disobedience. This is just free. This is free. I just put it in here to give it to you. Let me show you what triggers people to disobey God. Number one, perverted desires. They all start with a PD. All right, PD. Perverted desires. Another word for that is lust. This is where my passions and my desires within my will are so strong and twisted that I'm willing to get what I want, whether it's good for me or not. Everybody say perverted desires. Then here's another reason why we disobey God. Because of predetermined demands. You say, well, what is that? That's, that's another word for stubbornness. This is where I have started planning things and expected some things to happen in my life. And because these things are already in motion, I feel pressure to keep going even though I'm not supposed to. These are people who were walking down at the alley or down to the aisle when they got married and, and they know they're not supposed to be marrying that person. 
I've had people to say, Pastor, God was telling me not to marry that person, and I still was walking down the aisle. What do, what do you think God is supposed to do? You think God is supposed to send some lightning down and strike you? Well, if God didn't want me to do it, he would stop me. That's not true. If God wanted you dressed, he would have dressed you from heaven this morning. Did you get that? In other words, we blame stuff on God when, he, when we ought to be doing it. I mean, if God wanted your teeth brushed, he'd have brushed it this morning, and you would have woke up with some good breath. But you didn't wake up with good breath because you need to brush your teeth. God is not going to brush your t- teeth. You have to brush your own teeth. You understand that? Well, guess what? Sometimes predetermined demands. This is just where I got stuff going, and my pride won't let me stop. Here's the third one. Pride and deception. These are things that keep us from obeying God. This is where I continue to move forward in what I'm doing to save face. And I will keep going because deception would not let me see how detrimental, costly, and how much pain this is going to cost me in the future. See, let me tell you something. Deception works along with disobedience. Let me tell you the power of deception. See, when you start disobeying God, the devil's job is to make sure you don't see what really is going to happen after you make the decision you're going to make. His goal is to blind you so much that you just, because, you know, through your emotional response, you're going to make a decision. And because you're going to make a decision through your emotional response, he clouds up your judgment and creates deception so you will go ahead and do it. But see, most of us, if we were honest with ourselves, if we go back and look at some bad decisions we made, if you ask yourself right now, if you knew what you knew now, would you make the same decision? Most people say, no, I wouldn't have. You know what that said? That said deception was working. Then number four. Reasons why we disobey God is because of people dealings. You say, what do you mean by that? This is where my need for approval from people supersedes the approval I need from God. And it will cause me, watch this now, it'll cause me to do things that pleases people rather than to please God. When you have people dealings and they're so strong you will do what it pleases people and you will disobey God in the process write this down as a verse watch this now write this down first Timothy chapter uh second Timothy chapter two verse three and four and this is what it says it says that no man that wars entangled himself with the things of this world it says that he may please him who's called him to be a soldier In other words, it's better to obey God than man. And sometimes our need and approval from people is so strong that we go and we override the principles of God and we override obedience from God and we ended up sacrificing obedience. And that's why in the Old Testament it says, it says it's better to obey than to sacrifice. And I wonder how many of us are making decisions Because we want to please people. You know, this happens in a marriage too. You know, she wants, both of you are in agreement that you want a new car. But she wants a Lexus. He wants a Toyota. This one costs $45,000. This one costs $22,000. Your budget 
allows for this one. But she wants this one. And because her neighbor just got a brand new one. And all of her girlfriends drive Lexuses. She wants that Lexus. Because she'd rather please her friends and how she looks. Then the, listen, I would rather drive with some peace and have a full tank of gas than to be driving a car without no peace and all I can do is fill it up halfway. I'd rather carry a Uchi with $1,000 in it than a Gucci with $5 in it. You might be talking about my Uchi, but I got $1,000 in my purse. How much money you got in your purse? All you got is plastic and it's maxed out. I can pay cash wherever I go. Ooh, I feel something in here. I feel like doing the matrix of it. Okay, go to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. All that was free. That was not part of the lesson. Let me show you that your obedience affects other people. Now, I'm going to close on this one. I'm going to do a strong close on this one this morning. Because, see, some of you all don't know that your obedience and your disobedience has people attached to it. Matthew chapter 2, look in verse 13. Matthew 2, watch this now. Jesus is life was contingent upon the obedience of Joseph. I'm going to say it again. Jesus' very life, the son of God, his life was contingent upon, his, uh, upon Joseph's obedience. Look at Matthew 2, look at verse 13. It says, and when they were departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, arise and take the young child and his mother. He didn't tell him to just take the baby. He said, take your wife with you. And he said, watch this now. He said, take the young child and his mother. Go into Egypt and be there until I bring you word. For, because Herod seeks the young child to do what? Destroy. To destroy him. Look in verse 14. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night. And he departed into Egypt. And he was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled. Look at verse 16. Then when Herod saw that he was mocked of the wise men, he was exceeding mad, and he sent forth, and he slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coast. In other words, had Joseph stayed there, Jesus would have died. Joseph's obedience saved the life of Jesus. Joseph's obedience was connected to other people's lives. And when you disobey God, it affects other people. Let me show you another one. Go to Jonah chapter 1. Are y'all with me this morning? Okay. I know this is, I know this is, this, this is hard, but you know, it's hard out here for a preacher. <laughs> if you saw the movie, you know what I'm talking about, all right? Look in Jonah, Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. Your obedience to God affects other people. Your disobedience to God affects other people. Look now, verse 1 of chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. It came to, uh, let, me, let me name some names. Came to David. 
It came to Carlos. It came to, to Jeff. It came to Dr. Shepard. It came to my mama. It came to your mama today. It came to my wife. It came to Pastor Eben. And he says, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city. And he said, I want you to cry or, pray, or, or preach against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But look in verse 3. But Jonah rose up and he flew to Tarshish. Is that what God told him to go? No. He flew to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. And he paid a fare to go there. And watch this. He went down into Tarshish. But look in verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. And there was a mighty tempest in the sea. And the ship was almost broken apart. Watch this now. I'll be this affects other people. Then the mariners or the people that was in the boat with him, they were afraid and they cried. And they said, man, until he said, every man cry unto your God. Watch this now. But Jonah was down off in the side of the ship. He was fast asleep. Here it is. He's the one causing all that mess. Look in verse 6. So the shipmaster came to him and said, what do you mean sleeping here? Arise, call upon your God so, it, so that God will think about us and not let us perish. Now look down. I'm going to jump now, now in verse, uh, look in verse 10. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto, well, look in verse 9. And he said, this is Jonah talking. He said unto them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which has made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceeding afraid and they said, why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. And then they said unto him, what shall we do? Watch this now, verse 12. And he said unto them, take me and throw me into the sea. And, and, And watch this. And then the sea shall be calm. And the men decided not to do that. They kept rowing in verse 13. And then finally they said, you know what? We got to throw you out of here, man. You causing us too much trouble. And they finally threw him out. And when they threw him out, guess what happened? The sea stopped raging. Look in verse 15. So they took up Jonah and they cast him out into the sea. And the sea stopped raging. In other words, Jonah's disobedience affected those people. Have you ever, have things been going okay in your life? Everything's wonderful. And then all of a sudden you bring another person into your life, whether that's a friend, whether that's a girlfriend, whether that's a boyfriend, whether that's whatever it is. And then all of a sudden your life starts going backwards. Maybe you need to throw them overboard. Now I know what some of y'all are thinking right now. I know what you're thinking. I can't help it. When, I, when I'm up here, I hear stuff. I hear y'all thinking. If I could see some, if y'all could see some of y'all's heads, I see words in your head. Leave them. <laughs> Quit them. And some of you are legitimately. See, there are, there are reasons for divorce. There, there, there are biblical reasons for divorce. It really is. Y'all want to know, don't you? <laughs> I hear him going, what is it, what is it? I want to know, I want to know, because he got to go. <laughs> I ain't going to tell you. You need to find out for yourself. But here's, here's the thing. Your, your obedience affects other people. Do you know my obedience affects y'all? What if I'm sitting down, I'm at Hooters. First of all, I ain't going to Hooters. Their wings might be good. I ain't going. Now, if they order to go, as long as the lady that dressed like in Hooters, as long as she don't show up at my door, I may order them to go. When I say to go, meaning they got to deliver them. 
But if they come delivered like that, I ain't delivering them either. In other words, there are certain places I'm just not going to go for y'all. I'm not going to sit up there and drink a, a, a Coors Light. I'm not doing, I don't drink. But I'm saying, if I did drink, I wouldn't drink in front of you. Yeah, I'm just being real, y'all. He said, well, I can't believe that if he did drink. Well, you drink. Why are you talking about me like that? You drink. I'm just being real. I don't drink. I don't like the way it tastes. I just don't want it to alter me. You know, I don't know if I could preach to y'all straight if I drank. It just doesn't, it don't do anything for me. But I'm saying if I were to drink, I wouldn't drink in front of you. In other words, there's certain things that I just won't do because not only is it wrong for me. Notice I say wrong for me. See, drinking is wrong for me. Paul said, all things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. So even though it's not wrong for me to drink, I choose not to. So it's wrong to me. In other words, my obedience affects y'all. So guess what? Let's close with one more scripture. Go to 2 Corinthians. No, can I get two more scriptures, y'all? Okay, go to Romans real quick. Romans chapter 5. We won't dwell on this one. Romans chapter 5. Let me show you how obedience really affected us. Because of the obedience of Christ, we have been made righteous. Because of what Jesus did. Romans chapter 5. Look in verse 19. Watch this now. Romans 5, 19. It says, for as by one man's disobedience, many became sinners. But by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Now go to 2 Corinthians. We'll stop with this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Did you just read that Jesus' obedience helped us? Look at 2 Corinthians 10. This is my verse I'm closing with. Our personal obedience is so powerful that God will deal with other people's disobedience when our obedience is complete. I'm going to say that again. I said our personal obedience is so powerful that God will deal with anybody else who's in disobedience for us. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Look now in verse 3. 2 Corinthians 3. It says, for we walk not in the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war with the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Look at verse 6. And having in readiness, talking about God, God will have in readiness to revenge our disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. In other words, you want God to get somebody right, you get right. You want God to have somebody to do what's right, you do what's right. You want God to get them out of disobedience, you get in obedience. And see, this what, you know what this does? This now takes the lid or the trigger off of, well, I do it when they do it. No, God is waiting on you to do it. And can I tell you a secret? God will reward you for doing what's right. And let me tell you something. And the disobedience of that other person, they'll just receive the recompense of their reward. In other words, you can't sow disobedience and reap blessing. The bottom line, and I'll close with this, is God wants you and I to obey him. Can I tell you something? The benefits of obedience far outweigh disobedience. You obey consistently by identifying one area of your life and focus on being obedient. You make a decision to be open at God, to God at all times for him to lead you. And don't rationalize. When God tells you to do something, don't rationalize it. If you need confirmation, just let peace be your umpire. 
Find some scriptures on obedience that you can learn so when it's time to obey God, you won't wrestle with it. Number four, ask somebody to hold you accountable to help you along the way. And then always remember that God is always willing to help you even when you're struggling to disobey. Did y'all get something out of this morning's lesson? Give the Lord a hand if you would this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You may be here.